everyone, and welcome to episode 277 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's up this morning, Richard? Hey, Seth. Lots of news. Lots of news. Uh, we do. We have a, a pretty busy cast. Lots of big topics to talk about. But before we get to all that, we have another co-host in Krim. What's up today, Krim? Morning, Seth. Uh, like, you know, a big, fairly one of the biggest tournaments we've had recently uh, with tons of decks. So pretty excited to talk about that. Yeah. So our overview for today, we have uh, three or four kind of big topics. We had today's BNR announcement, which was pretty interesting. We got some new promos and LGS focus news for Paper Magic that was announced today. Uh, Command Fest Online's were announced a few days ago and this massive Red Bull tournament that was held over the weekend. So those are our main topics. And then, of course, answering your fish mail. But before we get into all that, a reminder that our show today is once again brought to you by Spikes Academy. Academy, and Spikes Academy recently launched a new control course with Corey Burkhart, so if you like to make your opponent's lives miserable with counter spells and card advantage, this is a course for you. You can check it out now at SpikesAcademy.com and learn from the best players in the world. So thank you so much to Spikes Academy for supporting the podcast, and uh, let's talk some magic. Let's start with this morning's big announcement. People were waiting with bated breath since last week to see what would happen with the BNR, so Richard, uh, what changes do we actually actually get with today's BNR announcement. All right. Effective immediately. Dranith Magistrate and Winona Joiner Forces <laughs> banned in Brawl. That's it, baby. Uh, ma- actually, magic is magic is fixed. We're good. Ma- that's good May twenty first, Brawl. But the real the real the real juice. Legacy, Luris of the Dream Den, banned. Zerda, the Don Maker, Don Waker, banned. And Vintage, Luris is banned. So first Power level banning in vintage, and then legacy two companions down. Modern pioneer, no changes. It, there was not a scheduled announcement for them today. So the the first companion dominoes uh, seem to be falling a little bit in older formats. Luris was a really obvious one. Like when they announced last week that they were making changes to legacy and vintage, everyone knew that the minimum was Luris was getting banned. There was just uh, there wasn't even any debate. I didn't see anyone, which is surprising, would be in our announcements uh, arguing the other side. Like, oh, Luris really should stay in vintage or legacy. It was just like a hundred percent of people were like, okay, this has to happen. <laughs> There, there was some question as to whether they take even stronger action, like uh, in Arata or Bandis Companion or banning all the companions. Obviously, we didn't get that. We did get Zerda, which is kind of interesting to me. I haven't played much Legacy recently, but Zerda is one of the like five most played decks in the format, and based on Wizards' justification, they seem to think that with Luris out of the way, Zerda will probably kind of take over even more, so they're kind of like with Reflector Mage and Standard. Uh, they're, they're trying to like set things up up for what they think the future metagame is like going to look like a little bit. So, uh, what do you think? Like, are you happy with these changes? Like, obviously, Luris had to go, but is this enough? Uh, I don't, first off, what deck is Zerda even played in for Legacy, though? So I, I, uh, I don't, I don't know. So, so in Legacy, you have access to uh, Basalt Monolith and Grim Monolith to combo oh. with Zerda and make infinite mana. So there's a, uh, it's called Zerda Bomberman, I think is the actual name of the deck, but it's kind of like a red-white artifact combo deck looking to use the infinite mana combo. 
Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I do I do know that, but that's only because of Commander. I can see how that's pretty broken. <laughs> <laughs> I can see where that, that becomes a problem, and very quickly. Uh, Luris, not surprised. I mean, uh, the older the format, Luris just gets better, right? I mean, we, we have so many things, especially when you go into Legacy and Vintage that are under, like, two two or less mana so that that and like having it just constantly happen over and over i can't even begin to imagine how broken luris is yeah uh i i don't know people have been waiting for the luris man the question is will a new companion pop up and shift the metagame with luris out of the way wizards is hoping no they they hit zerda as a precautionary tale there is a very interesting line in the announcement uh, which I think we should highlight, which at the end of the article, they say, if we see signs of long-term health issues resulting from high metagame share of companion decks, we're willing to take steps up to or including changing how the companion mechanic works. So Whoa. to yeah. continue the last line for now, metagames need time to evolve before we can determine whether changes are necessary. Am I completely cynical to read that as we're going to make systemic changes to the companion mechanic, but we need to sell Ikoria cards first. Like, when I read that sentence, that's exactly <laughs> like, we know that you guys want this gone. We know that some changes need to happen, but we got to wait a little bit longer because Ikoria just released on Friday. And we really, like, come on, guys. Like, we're in a pandemic. We really got to sell some magic cards. So just chill, <laughs> hang out with us for a couple more months. And, we'll, you know, when M21 releases, then we'll take care of this for you. That That's too cynical. I mean, they just banned, like, a whole bunch of cards. I, I think they want to see what the metagame does. And like, I, I believe what will happen is if, if Lures goes and then the next companion pops up in every single deck, I, I think they're going to be like, okay, this is too much, right? We're going to stop playing whack-a-mole and we'll do something with the like uh, mechanic itself. But I don't think it's sales related because standard is untouched, right? Uh, modern and pioneer is untouched as well. It's only legacy and vintage. So I, I believe their sales numbers will continue <laughs> because standard is just fine with companions. Uh, so I, I actually think that they, they, they want more data. Yeah. I, I, I can, I can definitely see that. I mean, once again, like the, the, the whole thing is I, I don't even know, like legitimately, is is this gonna have to happen in standard? Like I I I'm reading into it and like I'm wondering like I I like the companions in standard, so I'm reading that last line and it's just like making me wonder like man are they gonna change companions in standard? I don't want that to happen. Maybe I'm the only person that doesn't want it to happen, but I like the companions in standard. Yeah, that's that's a good point though, right? If they change the rules to make vintage work for whatever reason, that affects standard, right? Like for example, yeah. you don't start with an extra card, right? Like it counts as one of the cards in your hands or something like that. Uh, that would affect standard, which is why I doubt they would do this. I, I would see a blanket ban in like vintage and legacy before they start messing with the mechanic. I think. Really? Like, do you think that would? What, so, Krim, back to what you were saying. Like, what if the change was? Uh, if you reveal your companion, you start with a six card hand instead of seven card hands or something like that. Would that like ruin companions for you? Or do you think it would still, uh, they would still see play in standard? I, I guess they would still see play, but like it, I don't know. I mean, the companions don't, they haven't broken standard to me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like I understand the older formats, but like 
it actually is fun, right? Like, and I, I've really enjoyed, we kind of touched upon it, uh, like I think last week and th- that we have something to do always, right? Like there's always something for us to cast, uh, in the event that we get flooded and worst case scenario, okay, whatever, just play my companion, right? I, I've, I've, I don't feel like I, I should have to go down to six cards. I've enjoyed having the eighth card. Uh, I, I don't even hate it when my opponent has the eighth card, right? Uh. And, you dirty ah. companion player, you. <laughs> I, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it's just it it feels weird because I finally settled into standard where I think I found a deck that I like. I don't even mind all the shenanigans that are going on in standard. It's it's the older formats where I think the companions really are the issue, but and like and and once again it is a little confusing like how if if a card has some weird errata or change to the mechanic in an older format but not it like that's not across the board, right? I I do think that is very weird. I I I don't like the sound of that, so I'd rather them just I don't know. I I I could also understand that people don't want to wait until rotation, right? Like some people don't want to wait till rotation to like stop playing against Yorion decks and stuff like that because the games just take too long or something. But uh, I don't know. I I don't even know how you fix it though because I like companions, but at the same time I don't know. I don't know how you do that because I I think a change like an errata or a nerf or something like that should happen across the board and not in just like some formats. Yeah, like any any rule change, even if the reminder text is still technically technically correct, if it doesn't encompass the entire mechanic, it's effectively an errata change, right? Like for example, if you go down to six cards, like the 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 reminder text is still correct. But the rule did change, and you're gonna have people super confused in paper tournaments. So I really don't... though, like, yes, we've right? had so many we've had so many rule changes though, like legend rule changes, and now all of a sudden, like your stuff doesn't deal the plane damage to planeswalkers the same, and this and that. Like, there's probably 20 rules changes just to make mutate actually function <laughs> legally, but, like in a game of Magic. So, but those it, are those are necessary, right? Like, okay, so when you change a legend rule, you know you can create waves in Magic, but that is for the entirety of the game going forward, right? Do we really need to salvage the companion mechanic? Like, just ban it in Vintage and Legacy and call it a day, right? Like, why do we need to kind of affect the entire player base for this short-lived mechanic, right? Unless they're making this evergreen or something, like, you know, yes, right? <laughs> like, the legendary rule change is big, right? Like, the, the mulligan rules are big or, you know, I don't know if you want to count like weird edge cases and like how layers work or something and life gain, but like, you know, those are really edge casey. But these ones, like, is it worth sacrificing clarity of the game for like companion mechanic for like four months or something, right? Or six but, months? But what about, so we've talked about like standard and we talked about legacy and vintage. What about the, the between formats that are arguably way more important than legacy or vintage? Maybe not as important as standard, but like, what about modern and pioneer? What do you, what do you do there? Ban them. <laughs> I'm surprised. Okay. I'm salty that there was no changes to modern. Or, or Pioneer. Maybe they're waiting until next week. Like they, they announced last week that it was only for Vintage and Legacy. So we knew it was not happening, but like modern is all messed up. Like they're going to do anything about it. I don't know. Right. But I think, yeah, like a, a blanket band. Is modern really all that messed up though? (laughs) I mean, like I, okay, this, this might, I, I know that I had said the older to the format and like it, it does get more broken with like Luris, right? So like Mishra's bobble just happening over and over is a problem. Yes. But like at the same time, Luris 
is is not exactly like there's so many different archetypes under Loris, right? Like, I mean, there's there's Grixis Loris control. There's Loris burn. There's Loris. You know what I mean? Like, just because there's a Loris in the deck and like that's the companion that you see, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the deck. I I, you know, like I I think it's. And as, especially as we get into modern, when you think about how broken some stuff is, like getting turned too tightened, you know what I mean? I think my answer would be like, right now we have, uh, Luris at like 42% of decks are, are Luris decks according to, uh, our numbers that we have, which let's just round it up and say 50 50. Like you, if you sit down to play a modern league, you're going to play two or three matches against some form of Luris decks. Is that okay for right now? Probably, but le- from the perspective of the next five years, like, do you want to play, do you want to see Loris literally half of the matches you play in modern for the next five years or 10 years? I, uh, well, that's where I'm like, no, like, sure, like, maybe it's fun and novel for right now, but after six months or a year or two years of just, oh, it's Loris, it's Loris, oh, it's Loris and Bobble, it's Loris and Bobble, it's Loris and Bobble, every other match, <laughs> like, I would probably just blow my brains out and, like, play Hearthstone or something. Like, I, I, I think that would be pretty bad. Okay, okay. Loris and Bobble happening over and over, all the clicking and waiting, and waiting right? Like, I, I, I can understand <laughs> the agony, but, like, <laughs> like at the same time I, I i don't know i mean i've there's a lot of things that are still around in modern that i you know like i i would be pretty tired of i mean maybe maybe just like maybe they do something to the cards after a year or so you know what i mean but i think for right now it's fine i've i've i haven't been annoyed by it and i'm and i'm still in love with pioneer so i i think that loris actually adds some depth to a good amount of the decks where, like, it, it may seem like, okay, well, you know, like, okay, sure, what, they just reoccur their, like, I don't know, their their creatures again, their one drops all over again. But, like, I I enjoy the lines of play that have come from Luris and the different types of decks that have spawned underneath Luris. I, I, I do I do think it's pretty cool right now. Maybe maybe after a year, they can ban it or something. But for right now, while Akoria is kind of, like, you know, in rotation... I think it's okay to leave it in modern. I think it's okay to leave it in pioneer. And I definitely think it's okay in standard. Maybe after it leaves standard, then ban it as a whole, I guess, if you need to. But also what, there's a chance that like, what happens if in two years, not even, let's say what happens if in the next, the next set, something new just comes out and blows out all companions, right? It's just like, we, we've you know invented what I mean? like, I, the one CMC planeswalker now. Everyone gets yeah. a death rate shaman. Who needs companions? Everybody joked about two fairy, but then now like it's actually real, right? Like who knows, right? Like 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 the theaters. I I obviously think that it it could I could see the concerns about down the line and like the long term uh like play of magic, but for right now it seems to be okay. And with the way things are going, I'm pretty sure things are gonna correct itself, right? I mean I'm starting to see where Veil of Summer kind of fit into the meta that they played tested. What? Okay. And okay. I hate okay. That We're going too and far hate, here, Chris. I hate that We're going card. too okay. far here. I hate that how, card. I don't know how you make an extra card in hand bad, though. Like, it's not like, oh, it's a whatever. It's a planeswalker and you can put a pithing, uh, print a pithing needle or something. Or like, oh, it's a creature and you can print a fatal push. It's just extra card in your hand that you can't like. How? What? What? Me- what do you print a mechanic where you get two extra cards in your hand, like mega mechanic or mega companion, and you get start with like yeah. two com- partner companions, Honestly, and then you don't play the original ones anymore? I'll give you the mechanic, which is the pattern of modern, right? It is you don't you go turn to win with a combo, right? Like 
four drops are laughable in modern because you never make it a turn four, right? But now you don't even play them in your deck because Alurus, right? So the, Actually, the way to fix I, this is you just go like turn two combo, turn one combo wins, right? Like you, you don't <laughs> like, you don't want to go there. So uh, like just printing this just further invalidates any like, you know, Bloodbraid Elf type cards that you, you try to pull back the game with the mid-range strategy. Like, that's not happening. So you just go, you know, balls to the walls aggro or balls to the walls combo and then get there before your opponent does, which is what modern is. And before Companions, we complained about this, right? Like, the good old days of Fair Magic and Splinter Twin and whatever. Like, no, we just keep going faster and faster and faster. Like, modern will never be Fair Magic again, though, right? Like, I, I just feel like that could never happen. So, Luris and things like that kind of make it so that... Luris is the fair magic currently, right? Is the fair magic deck, right? Like... Yeah, we just don't like... We just don't like this <laughs> this fair magic, but it is the it is the actual... I'm grinding yeah. you out with card advantage, and we're just like, playing two drops. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't like sitting there and watching people click through their bobbles, <laughs> but to be honest with you, play to your outs which I joked about, is actually real now because there's a chance they might even time out. But the thing here is... <laughs> oh, boy. Like, but, the, but the thing here is I would rather lose to that and, like, watch that every day of the week than, I don't know, getting, like, the ridiculousness that is... I don't know. All that is modern, right? I mean, like, there's so much in modern, like, that I could lose to that's way worse. Like, uh, like but I, 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 I won't even lie to you, like... At least thanks to the Luris matches, I don't have to see Tron anymore, right? Like, I mean, like, I, I see Tron, but, like, it's not to the levels that it was, right? Like, London Mulligan, aw, oh, darn, they always have their, their seven mana, right? But, like, I, at this point now, like, why would they play that? They could just play a three mana threat that, like, you know, Path to Exile, I don't know, I, I hope I can deal with, or Graveyard Hate is has always been good in, in Modern, so it just continues to get better. Um, I think... I think I would say the difference is, like, sure, is losing to Loris worse than getting Primeval Titan or Tron on turn two or turn three? No, but Loris is currently 42% of decks when Amulet Titan, even when it's the best deck in the format, is like seven or Tron is like 10 or something. Like, it's the, the diversity issue, I think, where every game, every game already to me has started to feel the same due to some rule changes. And now having the companion show up game after game after game makes magic feel even more samey like now every matchup feels the same <laughs> like like every matchup is bobble and loris and we do the same thing <laughs> but but like is is it the same though because you yes on on the top of it is yes it is a loris deck right but what about actually underneath that there like if you remove the loris part what archetype is it actually right there's burn there's jund you know what i mean there's I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to like, I'm not going to lie to you here. I'm a little bit happy and I've got my Nico Bolas foam finger that I can't play because it's over two mana. But the thing here is <laughs> Grixis, baby. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty excited that like, dude, Grixis is like good. Uh, I can play a Grixis control deck. And when you look at all of that, like it's, it's, it's under the like umbrella like of of Luris, but really it is a bunch of different archetypes. Yeah, I don't know. For me, the, the diversity. It, it, I get what you're saying, and I agree that like underneath there is diversity, but just from like a gut level reaction, 
when you see your opponent reveal Loris every other game when you play a modern league, it doesn't feel diverse. It feel like it feels way less diverse than it actually is if you want to dig down and be like, oh, it's so many different archetypes. But when every single every other game on turn three, it's Loris draw an extra card with Bobble. Can I kill it or do they win the game? And then you do that again the next game. Like it feels less diverse than the archetypes would suggest to me. I think just from like my gut level feeling about the format when I play it. Yeah, I, I think it's just the ability to play new cards, right? Like if if you're slotted into Luris, the highest permanent you can play is like two CMC. Like every set that releases in the future, like unless they like print a super Tarmogoyf, like you just have no new cards. Like everything is unplayable uh, because, you know, you need Luris. So I, I think it restricts what they make in the future and like it just furthers power creep, right? Like the only creatures you'll ever play now are creatures... Better than Monastery Swift Sphere, better than Tarmogoyf, better than Death Shadow. Like, that's it, right? Like, if you print a 3 CMC, I don't know, 10-10 Trampler, oh, we can't play that. You know, can't fit into a Lurus deck, <laughs> right? Like, oh, not worth it, right? Like, you're like, what? Right? Or, you know, like, Hazaret. Like, just think of all these, I'm biased, think of all these great Jun 4 drops that you'll never see ever again. Kalidas, Pia, you know, Chandra. Oh, Chandra's fine. No, Chandra's not fine. Uh, like, all these cards that they print throughout the years that you could slot in now just you can't right so I, I don't know i just i just don't like the deck diversity part of it but i think metagame wise i think crib is correct right there's actually a lot of diversity uh but it does feel the same across different formats though right if i sit down i'm like ah oh, i'm sick of standard i don't want to see you know lures again go into modern i'm like oh lures again huh <laughs> go into pioneer oh lures burn again huh <laughs> like it's, it's a little it's a little <laughs> awkward I think it's just the feel bads, right? Like, I mean, it's, it feels a lot like, cause like, you know, Luris is just what you see. So you just immediately like, okay, well, that's yeah. the only thing I see consistently, right? But that, but that it's like, it's, I don't know, all, it's I, also because it's burn. Like everyone hates losing yeah. to burn. And like <laughs> now burn is like top of the meta with Luris. So they're like, oh my God, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, maybe that's like, I, it's a lot like why, like, Stoneforge and Jace, right? Oh, man, good thing Modern ended when Jace got unbanned. Uh, you know, like... It did like, end for like, me, Crib. Okay, 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 Mid-range sure, was never sure. the same again. Okay, okay Richard, sure. <laughs> like, I, I just don't... I don't I don't know why those were, like, banned after a certain point, right? People wanted those cards unbanned, but I think the reason why it never got off the list for a while was because of the recent burn and feel bad of when it was in standard, right? I, I genuinely think that it's because of the taste that it left in people's mouths after it was in standard. And and obviously in older formats, it's it's ridiculously powerful. But, like, they were only, like, one to two of us, right? They weren't really that bad. And I, I, I think that eventually Luris and all of that, <laughs> with the way cards are being made, and whatnot. I don't know if this is a concern or not, but like with the way things are going, <laughs> I I may think that companions. What the next set? The two next two sets. I know Seth said that there's not very many things that you can print to punish the eighth card, but what if it were like the companion zone? Right? Is so the companion zone. What if they just change it to where, like, if there is a, a rule change? I I don't even know if this is it currently or uh, true currently, but is it not in the exile zone? If not, can it be in an exiled zone? Because then what you do is you make a card that allows you to play cards from your opponent's exile zone. <laughs> <laughs> so you want, you okay. want more Asian treacheries? 
<laughs> look, look, hey, we'll put it on a hey. planeswalker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, put it on a planes. Put it on to fairy, two fairy, <laughs> two fairy, and he'll let two you fairy. steal your opponent's companion. Cast it for yeah, free. Yeah, then now don't you feel like you, you thought instant everything being at sorcery speed was annoying? Check this out. I'm also gonna take your companion, and then you can't play things at instant speed. <laughs> and then you, you'll just play to fairies and bobbles in your deck. Like you don't even have lures. You just rely on taking other people's lures. But that's. But that's where you meta game, and you're like, you know what? Imagine this: a world. In a world, one person willing to queue up without a companion. <laughs> All right, I will I, say that every week we say short cast, and then we start talking about companions, and like half a podcast later, we're here. <laughs> and if that is not a sign for like, there's something wrong with this mechanic, right? Or maybe not wrong, controversial. But it is we keep talking about companions every week, and every week we change our minds, and every week there's something new to complain about. Like maybe I for that like reason alone, they should ax it. <laughs> I I don't think me or Krim have changed their minds. I have consistently thought it was the worst mechanic of all time, and Krim is pretty consistently like that. I think you're you're the you're the swing vote, Richard. You're the one that week to <laughs> yeah, week Richard, goes back and forth and decides where we land. There's pros and cons to the We're card. We're staring at you right now. <laughs> there's pros and Which cons. Which side are you on? <laughs> the side of the Reddit pitchforks, which will always win. <laughs> uh, all right, right. Who we, yells the loudest gets the final word, right? Grixis <laughs> is viable in modern, Richard. <laughs> We we should actually uh, probably talk about our other topics though. We'll, we'll have another half hour next week to uh, catch up on <laughs> the latest okay, wizards. We're going to keep doing this till you ban companions. If you want a lifelong podcast on companions, <laughs> please All right. don't. All right, so so in non-companion news this week, uh, wizards today announced uh, their love your LGS promotion, uh, which sounds really cool. Richard, will you give us the TLDR of what this promotion is? All right. Uh, we're getting new promo cards. So basically, uh, there are some rules for uh, stores. So for example, any stores able to sell products on or after the weekend of June 5th, and we're not setting an end date right now, so that's an example date, uh, will receive promos and art prints for their players to go along with the previous mystery boosters. So we have two new promo cards. We have a reliquary tower and we have a hangerback walker that's actually Mecha Godzilla Battle Fortress. So another Godzilla card from a non-Nicoria card. So Mecha Godzilla Battle Fortress is hangerback walker. So those are the two promos and then a poster of Vivian shooting some scary monster. Uh, so that's the love your LGS promo. Uh, that's coming up soon. I love these promos. Oh man, Mecha Godzilla, hang- Hangerback Walker, like that's perfect. That is perfect. Now that is a Mecha Godzilla, right? Like that's how. Like if I were to pick a Mecha Godzilla in standard, I think Hangerback might have to be one of those things. Now the Reliquary Tower, I just love a different art, but it kind of looks like a gigantic sandcastle. <laughs> it, um, so, it does. Like, like, <laughs> like look at it and tell me that it doesn't just look like a gigantic sandcastle <laughs> i i am excited for the promos i am curious as how all this is gonna work with everything you know what i mean like in and what parts of the world is gonna start opening up and who knows so there's gonna be all of that but i if i'm just talking about the promos i love it i think the promos are really cool uh i 
I guess another Reliquary Tower doesn't hurt. I mean, I've got enough EDH decks to play, you know, all the artworks. And I, and I, as I said, I enjoy multiple arts. So I'm a huge fan. And fla- like just the vibe of Hangerback Walker as Mechagodzilla is perfect. I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I, I also really like the promos. Uh, I mean, I'm still kind of whatever. The Godzilla thing isn't for me, but Hangerback is a really good choice. If you're going to Godzilla up a card from like modern and pioneer, uh, Mecha Godzilla being Hangerback is pretty on point. Reliquary Tower, it gets reprinted a ton, but it's still relatively expensive, uh, because everyone needs a copy in like every commander deck. So that is another good choice. I think Hangerback's close to $10 right now. So another nice free promo. Like that is a nice bonus. And the other thing they kind of announced alongside this was, I believe they're giving out $10 million of mystery boosters, uh, to WPN stores, which that's a pretty big amount. Like, and, Local game stores are hurting right now. I mean, a lot of businesses are hurting, but uh, paper game stores in specific are definitely bearing the brunt of this. You can't have pre-release, you can't sell products. So it's really nice that Wizards is taking a pretty meaningful step to try to, uh, almost like the the government sent out stimulus checks to everyone. This is like Wizards sending out stimulus to local game stores to try to help them through this time. Like, the promos will hopefully get people in the shop. $10 million of mystery boosters being sent out will hopefully provide financial stimulus and maybe that'll keep some local game stores that are like on the brink right now with everything that's going on uh able to you know stay in business and keep serving their communities so so i'm gonna disagree with you guys so i, I like i like the promotion itself right because the promotion itself is meant for you to support your local game store so that's awesome but the choice of mecha godzilla i think is really really bad because when you think of mecha godzilla <laughs> do you think of a one one Usually a zero zero that like makes a thopter that's left behind. Like what? Like that's not Mecha Godzilla, right? And the thing is, here's the card. The card is super awkward. The card name, if you just read it, is Mecha Godzilla Battle Fortress, right? But then when you start reading the card, it says Hanger Backwalker enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. Like it's just super confusing. Like th- like for a card to reference its own name, but then not be the primary name on the card. Like, could they not have chosen a different card where it works better? So I actually dislike this this Mecha Godzilla. But Hangerback Walker as a promo itself is fine. And the I'm, promo is awesome. Or the, the promotion in, for the stores. In spirit, it makes sense though, right? Because every time you see a walking ballista, it's never just as simple. Uh, it can be a 1-1, sure, right? If we're just talking like, you know, like modern and whatnot... I don't think I've ever seen a fair walking ballista just go, go like, and like be okay. It's usually going to involve some infinite combo where I instantly die. And then, you know what I mean? Like, in which Mecha Godzilla never becomes greater than a 2 2. <laughs> like, it's not well, you big. have a hardened scales. You have a hardened scales, Richard. So you're, yeah. you're good to go. That's what makes it big. I think on the name thing, though, I will say, I think that's just like, I dislike that, but I think that's because the cards have two names. Like, I don't think that's unique to Hangerback. I think, like, several of the Ikoria cards are the same. Like, Brokos refers to itself. The Uncommons, yeah. like Titanith Rex, uh, the Yadaro, Godzilla Doom Inevitable, refers to itself. So that naming issue is actually something that I think that just comes with having two names on a Magic card. Uh, and... I, I don't really like the two-name thing, personally, but I don't know if that's actually avoidable if you're going to print cards with two names. Yeah. Yeah, the, the wording on it is a bit weird, and I guess, okay, the only thing that would have been better than Mechagodzilla, I think, is Walking Ballista. 
What about something that's actually big? What what would be what would be something that's valuable and artifacty and also just because if there is one worm coil, oh, worm, worm coil, could be interesting. Yeah, worm coil would be nice because there's definitely been some complaints recently about Ikoria not actually having big creatures. I don't know if you've seen that, like on social media and Reddit, people talking about like, oh, it was supposed to be a big creature set, and like we don't actually have that many creatures that are that are that big. So like, I think that's like a legitimate piece of feedback, uh, just because the mutate mechanic doesn't actually make creatures big so maybe maybe richard's right to some extent that uh, we need a bigger a bigger godzilla although i think hangerback is a good choice like value wise well i think i think ballista probably would have been the like the one that i'd really be like okay that's perfect right like that's perfect i'd even take like a solemn (laughs) i'd take sad robot oh come on (laughs) come on Solemn? I'll take Solemn. Over, over Hangerback? I, I mean, it, I think the other problem is if it's a creature that costs more than two mana, it's not playable in any format anymore. So they probably had to go with something <laughs> like Hangerback just so you could actually play your promo <laughs> somewhere in some format while Lurus is legal. I, I actually read that uh, some companions are the face card of Ikoria, but none of the Godzilla cards are on it. So Wizards should have made companions with Godzilla counterparts, and then we'd see Godzilla everywhere. Standard, <laughs> which makes which would actually be pretty sweet, uh, but alas, for here Ghidorah would have been uh, Grixis. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, so the the only thing I have to add to the ten million dollars uh, mystery boosters. So it started off five, and then uh, they're going to double it to ten million. Uh, but we need to hit some milestones, and basically. Uh, stores need to run and promote a magic event, either via webcam or magic arena, or promote and accept Ikoria pre-sales online. So they're trying to boost sales, uh, but, you know, stores have to do this. What's interesting is magic online is left out of this equation. You cannot run a magic online tournament to meet the requirements for this. So no pioneer, no modern. You got to do it via webcam. Yeah. Is that mm. not the death of Magic Online if you've ever heard it or not? <laughs> like, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. They've been doing like the FM online thing, and I don't think it's really like made a huge difference. I'm assuming this is just like a short term transitional thing. So it'd be nice if Moto was included, but I to me it doesn't like especially freak me out about Magic Online. Oh, but with the big push for Commander on Magic Online, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> speaking speaking of commander that is our our uh, our next topic that we had they announced command fest online which uh speaking of moto kind of getting the short end of the stick rather than having people play commander <laughs> on moto which actually probably would be a horrible idea based on like half of our games crashing over the last couple months uh they're they're doing a, a command fest online over webcams on June 6th. They're streaming on Twitch. Uh, it's using this site called uh, Spell Table, which I'm not really familiar with, but it's a, I think, a new-ish site designed to let you play magic over your webcam, kind of capture your playmat and send it to the other players. What do you guys think of Command Fest Online? So it's free uh, with a suggested donation. So uh, anyone is free to participate. They also have Command Fest in a box where you can just buy like all the promos that you would normally get a command fest that it just comes to you but the the main event itself i think is pretty sweet uh it's a way for people to play commander uh it's probably a big boon to spell table so i imagine the biggest problem today is finding opponents 
right? Uh, so on June 6th, there will be plenty of opponents. So you'll be able to find a playgroup online and then hopefully uh, those playgroups stick together or, um, you know, it becomes a more common thing. So you'll be able to hop into a game whenever you want. Uh, and, you know, the queue will always fire and then you can keep playing Commander during this time of quarantine. I do. I do miss playing Commander, like, but and especially with my paper cards. So I do think that's really cool that they're going to kind of like give us that <laughs> the paper magic of Commander because I really don't. I'm, I'm happy they did not try to put this on Moto, right? Like, I mean, it's it, it would look kind of weird and it would probably crash <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I lag. A lot. <laughs> that that is that is true. Moto Commander has not been in the best place recently, but hopefully they will be uh, making some improvements, like they've talked about. I think for Commander Fest Online, uh, I I like that they're doing it. Although I am a little bit skeptical of how it'll run in practice. Like I I'm not sure. Like I think if you're a professional streamer or content producer and you're used to like webcams and you have a good internet connection, uh, it'll probably go okay. But just like random person with like potatoey camera in bad internet connection where no one can see your board. Like I'm a little bit curious if like thousands of people are going to be able to, uh, have the right technology, uh, to be able to pull this off smoothly. I still think they should be doing it, but I'm a little nervous that there might be some disastrous games where you just, like, can't see your opponent's battlefield because their connection's so bad or whatever. Well, we also test your faith in the human race. Like, when we play with friends, like, you're probably not going to cheat. But if you're playing online, like, will people (laughs) cheat? (laughs) Right? Is there there a reason to cheat, though? Like, is there anything... Is there ever a reason to cheat, Crim? Like, ever? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's also true. (laughs) But, like, like, like... you know, but like, there's there's nothing online, right? Like, there's there's nothing on the line that you don't get any prizes. Your, your pride, so like, right? But oh, oh, come on. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, I don't know, right? But uh, so if you're interested, I think EDH Rec had an article about like cards that don't work too well in this format. So obviously, things that need to like look at your opponent's decks and things like that, uh, you probably shouldn't play because it's like impossible to do. Uh, but yeah, I think. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. We're going to test how uh, honest Magic players are and how uh, technologically savvy they are when they can set up their webcam and stream everything <laughs> and make it work and lighting and all that. Uh, but it is an interesting experiment. Um, but, you know, it, it is a cool opportunity. It's a cool opportunity to play with, like, your favorite streamers and things like that. So I, I think it's pretty cool that they're trying it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, definitely a cool idea and a, a cool way to try to keep people connected, I think, and keep paper magic relevant during all this quarantine time and stuff. So, all right, one one more topic before we get to fish mail uh, that we should probably hit kind of briefly because we talked about companions for so long. We had a massive <laughs> tournament this weekend, Red Bull Untapped International Qualifier number one. There was over 4,000 people, I believe, that played this standard Magic Arena event. Uh, so what do we what do we learn about standard or, or about the event itself uh, this weekend with Red Bull Untapped? There were a lot of decks. <laughs> Like there, there, there were some pretty interesting ones that kind of like might might have might have just recently uh, you you might have started hearing about it, but like there was a mono white deck, a mono white Luris deck. Uh, like there, there's a lot of, I mean, there was also a lot, a lot of Jeskai Luka. I think apparently, like the like it was a crazy high number of the meta, right? Yeah, so we got uh, over like two thousand deck lists, and eighteen percent were Jeskai Luka. 
12% were just guys cycling, 10% team and reclamation. And then basically, if you just look at the Goldfish metagame page, it like follows that because uh, this event like highly influenced it with the number of deck lists. But Jeskai is just all over the place. Companions all over the place. Reclamation is the only deck. Rogrin. Rogrin. <laughs> Rogrin. <laughs> yes, Rogrin. <laughs> Rogrin cycling. Rogrin Luca. <laughs> also, from from the numbers we've seen, the the win percentage with the Jeskai Luca deck is. It Robin. has been consistently, <laughs> consistently very high, like 60 to like even 65%. So if there's any deck in standard I'm a little concerned about, it's probably, it's probably that one. Although a, a lot of decks, different decks did perform well. Obviously companions are dominating, but as Krim mentioned, there was a couple of like super budget decks that went seven and one to qualify. The mono white Lurus deck is 35 bucks a paper and only has six rares and no mythics uh, on arena. And the mono red deck with Abash is also like 30 bucks in paper and has no mythics, uh, although a few more rares in paper. So there are some new-ish wild card light decks for players to maybe try out on the ladder on arena. I think that was my biggest takeaway from the tournament is there, there is some like Kind of like with cycling and mono red and this new mono white deck, there are a lot of budget friendly options for arena players right now, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Like I never thought I'd imagine that. Like when we've got tri lands and all this other stuff that there could just be. What if we just played a mono colored deck? <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's the whole point, the- right? Stone Coil Serpent is like carrying the, <laughs> the deck on its back. Oh. It's basically hexproof. Stone Coil Steve Austin is the truth. That, that is that, that card. <laughs> I can't tell you how many games where I just go, well, we're, we're good here. We've got crazy advantage. We've got everything set up and they just play Stone Coil as a five, five or even a three, three. I'm like, I have zero ways to kill that <laughs> like or interact with that card. Like, <laughs> like outside of using a sweeper. And so the, like, I've often found that the, like, yes, yeah, like St- Stone Coil Steve Austin is killing me right now. Like, oh man. And, but like, like legitimately some of these decks are, they just look like a draft pile, like solid footing. Four of? <laughs> this is what, what happens when you make boggles, man. You play suspicious looking <laughs> enchantments. Dude, somebody played that when I when I tried to go and like I finally found an answer and it was a scorching dragon fire <laughs> on a three three serpent and they pumped it and I'm like, oh dude, what draft card is this? <laughs> like, like, I was blown out. <laughs> I, I will say that it blows my mind that Agent of Treachery is the literal most played creature in that tournament. 29% of decks are Agent of Treachery decks. Has there ever been a standard like that where, like, this random seven drop is just, like, dominating the the most played creature in the format? Like, when I saw Agent of Treachery, I was like, oh, that'll probably be fun with, like, Panharmonicon. Like, I'll, I'll probably play that in some, like, janky Panharmonicon deck. It probably good in Commander. Like, that's the epitome of yeah. remember when we used to, like, see a seven drop. We'd be like, oh, that's probably, that's probably good in Commander. Who would have thought that Agent of Treachery would be the most played creature in Standard? I, I don't think I can ever remember a standard where this random seven drop was so dominant emrakul promised end <laughs> but, but, but the worst marvel decks right basically decks that cheat mana 
Uh, we had Nissa to help us. You know, Crim's ah. must, much love to Nissa to help us in previous standard. And now yep, yep. we have Luca, right? <laughs> so we don't we don't cast these things. Or, you know, we have enough value to drag the game long enough to actually cast it. Uh, so, yeah, I think when we evaluate cards nowadays, the, the big scary CMCs don't matter as much because we have ways to cheat mana. Like, between... Uh, Mana doublers, planeswalkers, uh, fires of invention. There's plenty of ways to cheat mana now in standard. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, maybe they could just like stop. <clears throat> Sorry. Like making <laughs> ramp like growth spiral <laughs> at instant speed. <laughs> like legitimately that, that is an issue, right? Like the, the ramp right now is just absurd. Like it, it, it is, is ridiculous. I, so, I do think that is, that is, I, I really, I've had a few people ask me, like, if Agent of Treachery should be banned, and given current standard, like, I can see where they're coming from, but I would really hate for people to get the perception that, like, a, ra- a random 7-mana 2-3 is, like, actually a problematic card, because, like, Agent of Treachery is the kind of card that I think would normally be very safe. It's all the other cards around it that I think are making it feel so overpowered in our current standard. So I would hate for them to like never print Agent of Treachery style cards again because of this. Cause I don't think Agent of Treachery is really the problem. It just happens to be the best thing to Luca and Uro and Grow Spiral and Nissa and Wilderness Reclamation and name any other ridiculous ramp spell, uh, you know, into in our current format. Yeah. Like, Honestly, there there could have been something else, right? Maybe maybe it just also feels bad because agent just steals people's things, right? But and it is it is pretty pretty backbreaking, and and when you know they do it on like turn four or something like that. But like, <laughs> yeah, Winota too. I forgot about Winota. That's another like semi popular way to cheat it into play. So yeah, I I can see why people hate it, but I don't think it's actually yeah. a problematic card. I think it just happens to be really good with like a ton of push cards in our current format dude lands are play. so 2019 who needs to pay full cost for any of their cards <laughs> <laughs> after you just rattled yeah. that list off it's like okay every single deck in standard like does not fairly pay their mana cost yeah. <laughs> except for mono yeah, white I lures mean- mono white lures does it the fair way <laughs> mono white lures is just honest magic just some good old honest magic <laughs> boggles the epitome of honest magic <laughs> Uh, all right, let's uh let's get some fish mail before we wrap things up today. Richard, take it away. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh real tap water. Why aren't companions more expensive? Everyone's saying you have to uh play one. Will they spike if there's no ban? Oh. I mean, I am a little worried, but I think the thing that's nice about it is that as as I had mentioned a little bit earlier, is that they're are tons of archetypes underneath the face of Luris, but because of that, you'll still have a deck. So I guess I think it's a safe pickup for some of them. They're not that expensive anymore, right? Like Luris is like t- nine bucks. Yeah, Loris is the most expensive and it's like nine or ten bucks and the other ones are cheaper than that. I think price wise, I don't expect them to, uh, to go super crazy because yeah. of the one of thing. Like that by itself means 
Aluris has like one fourth of the demand as something like Teferi, which is almost always a four of and also a rare and also three mana. So I think that that is the, the biggest reason. If you could play four copies of something like Luris, I would expect it to be more like Teferi prices where you'd be talking about Luris being, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, whatever, whatever ridiculous amount of money Teferi was at its peak. So I think that's really what, what keeps it in check is just the fact that you really only do need one of them. And as, yeah. Don't, it's not too bad if, like, they just do away with the mechanic, right? Because, I mean, it's not like burn goes away. I mean, burn will still exist in some capacity. <laughs> I would be, I would be skeptical of buying into decks that were not really decks before Luris was around or like lower tier three decks, unless you're okay with it going back to being like a lower tier three deck. But like the, the SRAM Auras deck maybe would be an example in Pioneer where that was kind of like floating on the fringes and then it became like the best deck in the format. A deck like Burn though, like Burn is always a legitimate deck. So even if they ban Luris, your deck's still going to be fine. It's not going to be as good, but everyone else's deck is getting weaker too because half the people are playing Luris. So everyone's dealing with the same issue. So I would just avoid those decks that like, uh, are built exclusive. Like, Garuda maybe is a good example. If Garuda gets banned, all those cards are going to go back to not doing anything because uh, they are only played with Garuda, but when a Lurus burn deck or something, you're probably fine to buy that even if Lurus does get banned. All right, next question. Only way. What is the appropriate mana cost for an instant that reads card name deals damage to each opponent equal to the amount of mana they spent this turn? <laughs> mm. This is like Price of Progress. Like, <laughs> Two? I mean, I don't think it'd be very good. Actually, no, it'll be really good in standard. Yeah, it would be good in standard. I think it would have to be more than, more than two. Four? It might have to be like Zenith Flare. Yeah, maybe like four? four. Like if Zenith Flare can do what Zenith Flare does, that's probably fine at four, I guess. Because I'm imagining the case where someone spends like twelve mana and dies, but like <laughs> even if it just deals five damage on turn five or whatever, it's still pretty good, right? So you you do have to cost it. Maybe, maybe it's just because of my. Uh, I, I have a little bit of a disdain, I guess, towards towards ramp decks. Um, I want it to be three mana, and I and I think you should do more than one damage per. <laughs> <laughs> I I just wanted to kill them as soon as they spend okay. their mana. <laughs> okay, yes, that, that's what I was gonna ask. Wouldn't that just be three mana kill a ramp player? But that that's what yeah, you're yeah, going yeah, no, no, for. Exactly, <laughs> that is correct, Seth. You are correct. <laughs> three mana just kill a ramp player. <laughs> Oh, and, and then if they if they cheated their their spells into play, they they also just lose the game. <laughs> How could you word that? Like something about like for every card that entered the battlefield, or no, for every spell put on the stack, deal damage equal to CMC <laughs> minus mana spent or something, and they're like, uh, sneak and show omniscience, and you're like, you're dead. <laughs> right? <laughs> should be should be an enchantment. <laughs> <laughs> deal deal damage equal to the like combined converted mana cost of all spells target player cast this turn yeah. or something something oh, like that oh, that'd be pretty good oh yeah that would be sweet oh that'd be pretty good hmm. oh man because because yeah we we had talked about it last week right there's nothing that makes a ramp player think about like oh i mean is it like like you had mentioned richard oh is this the turn i need to actually accelerate my mana because <laughs> What if I get punished, right? Like, there is no punish. That would also so, give, 
fires players too, which would be a bonus. Like you can't just like, oh, fires, free thing, free thing, because you're not even like tapping your lands. But if you were it that way, you would also hit on fires. Yeah. yeah. For three mana. So it's fine. I mean, it's colorless. <laughs> I feel this is like Veil of Summer. Yeah. Just straight up colorless. Like, you'll counterplay the other good. way. Like the, the fires players, like, what am I going to do with this card? <laughs> right. Like, I'm dead no matter oh. what. Oh, even better. It has, it, it's a cycling card and you cycle it to do it. So <laughs> can't be countered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. DJ Jono B. How is Richard doing? Every episode Seth asks him and he always deflects it back. Hope he's not hiding some deep emotional scarring. <laughs> Sounds like a good bloke. Yeah. Ever, ever since Thoughtseize became ineffective. My life has been in shambles. <laughs> he never, Richard never really came back. My, 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 my jubilance is tied to the success of, uh, Tarmogoyf in non-lure stacks. <laughs> Ooh, Richard, you've been gone for a few years. I, I've been gone. I've been an empty shell for like five years, guys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm doing well. Doing well. Uh, <laughs> Billy 320 Hogak and Oko were banned since it had a high percentage of decks played in meta warping that was difficult to beat. Companions are heavily played in meta warping. Is it harder or easier to beat companion decks than Hogak or Oko? So, so I, I think that you have to say companions are a lot different than that and probably easier. Like, none of the companions are, I win the game on turn two like Hogak was. Uh, they, I think Oko is maybe a better comparison where a card like Luris runs away with the game if you don't kill it immediately on turn three. So I can, I think Oko is a, a pretty fair comparison for Luris, but I don't think any of the companions are like Hogak because Hogak was just so fast and hard to disrupt. Hogak was but fine. You could beat mm. it, but at what cost, right? <laughs> like, you could beat Hogak and then lose to everyone else, right? Uh, Leyline of the Void was in the main deck, dude. <laughs> but that was not even enough, right? You needed, like, four Ley Lines and, like, uh, two Relics or something to, like, actually get it done. And then a Clock, right? Because that alone would not beat it, right? Yeah. So, it's slightly different. It was metagame warping in different ways. Like, Hogak, you could beat it, but it cost you too much. Oko is pretty similar, but Oko was not in every single deck. Right, Oko was like a deck or a group of decks, whereas companions like span the spectrum from burn to mid range to control to like, like, what are you gonna do about this? Yeah. All right. Last question. Uh, Joshua Braska, Mark Rosewater said Wizards doesn't have resources to test older slash non rotating format. Seems to me the only two things you need are every magic card in existence and people who played magic. Which one of those two things does Watsi not have? People who play magic. <laughs> Uh, it's not that they, they need people that play magic. They need people to play this format and play enough games to get like sufficient sample and analysis. And they don't have the money to hire these people. I think, I believe that is their argument, right? That, that is, yeah, that is my yeah. understanding of it too, is it would just be ridiculously expensive and cost so many uh, man hours or whatever and need so many people that it's just not, you know, financially viable to do that. What, what do you think yeah. about a preview server? So a lot of games have like a beta server or a preview server where they release cards or not cards, but they release whatever, uh, people Overwatch. play it and then they, they balance it after. This like totally kills our preview season and how cards work in Magic. But if you could play with companions now on a test server and then uh, Wizards can decide whether or not to balance them or change them, you know, four months from now. 
Do does think- that not kill the format for you a bit earlier though? Because if we're talking about like it's not even out yet. Yeah. Right? It would yeah. it would be like it's it's killed in a week after release anyway. Like everything's known like a week after release anyway at this point, it feels like. So I don't know if it would change it that much. I think my concern would be the paper game. All these bright ideas, like, oh, errata cards or nerfing cards or have this test server, I feel like it all comes down to the paper game because they have to work so far ahead to, like, physically print the cards and ship them to warehouses and distributors who ship them to local game stores. So I feel like it would be very hard to implement that model with paper magic still being a thing. Yeah. I mean, once again, like, the it is just so much easier when everything is, like, digital, right? Like, if you could play a digital card game, that's perfect. Errata'd problem solved right done uh but yeah like seth mentioned because there's the paper half of magic i yeah like the something like a ptr server just feels not likely and i i do think that even though everything is known a week after the set i do think something about like playing it before it's even out before it's even like you know pre-release you know what i mean like we're we're talking like we get the set what two weeks now before release but having it like six months before the release is like crazy <laughs> yeah and i do want to say that this theoretical playtest team is not the answer because we have it for standard right and you see what standard is and standard is a fraction of the cards uh but they're not able to balance standard appropriately so what leads us to believe that they can balance vintage or legacy or any of that you know so that that's that's an interesting point uh, so that's all the time we have for fish mail this week. Thank you to everyone who sent in fish mail. If you have questions, you can send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 277 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So until then, have a wonderful week. And this is the crew signing out. <laughs> <laughs>